Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That's my lot in life, to be miserably bitter for the rest of my life. That's why I want to change my life to bitterness. So please, Your Honor, uh, make the official change to my name of bitterness. You know, judge would would say, she doesn't need a judge. She needs a psychiatrist. But So the judge would say, are you sure? Are you sure that for the rest of your life, you will be in a state of miserable bitterness? Is there anything good in your life? When you look at your life, can't you see anything good? Is there anything you can thank God for? I mean, don't you see any light at the end of the tunnel? This tunnel, this current tunnel that you're in of darkness, isn't there any light at the end of it? I mean, I noticed you came here with your Moabite daughter-in-law. I mean, she seems loyal to you. Isn't she good to you? I mean, can't you thank God for your Moabite daughter-in-law? And if you're Naomi, you'd say to the judge, well, your honor, I'm sure I will be miserably bitter till I'm lowered down into the grave. There's nothing good in my life. There's nothing that I can be thankful for in my life. There's no light at the end of my tunnel of darkness. I'll be in this tunnel of darkness till they lower me down into the grave. And I tried to get my Moabite daughter-in-law not to come with me into this tunnel of darkness. You see, I jinx everyone. I'm a jinx. And I told her, I said, if you come in contact with me, I'm going to jinx you for the rest of your life. And I told her the best thing you could do for yourself is just get as far away from me as you possibly can. And Your Honor, she's crazy. I mean, I gave some speech about going, about she should go back, you know, to her people. And then she gave me this speech. She said, you should have heard the speech. It was something, I couldn't even say anything. He said, a speech about going where I go and sleeping where I sleep and, and my people being her people and my God being her God and dying where I die and being buried where I get buried. I mean, she's crazy. And before long, she'll be down here at this court also asking her name to be changed to bitterness. That's what I do to people. I have nothing good in my life. And I want to change my name permanently to bitterness. I want to be known by bitterness. The judge would just, he'd shake his head. He'd shake his head and then he'd raise his gavel and he'd strike it down and he'd say, so ordered. This lady's name is officially changed to pleasantness. Next case. (laughs) That was Naomi. That was Naomi. That was her state of mind. She was in a state of depression. And she just sat in a corner like a piece of bread and just let depression just cover her like some kind of green mold over a piece of bread until every ounce of strength was gone from Naomi. So it's no wonder to us that Naomi didn't go out with Ruth to glean the corn in the field. She's too depressed to lift a finger. And this description of Naomi's state of mind, it serves us to understand what Ruth was faced with. I mean, now, to freeze this for a moment in your mind, I mean, there's Ruth, and before she goes out, she leaves, 
to go into the field there, and there's Naomi. And so right in front of Ruth, as she's leaving for the field, Ruth looks behind her, and she sees Naomi, and she said, that's my only friend in Israel. My only friend is sitting in a corner saying, miserable bitterness, miserable bitterness. And she just, all I hear her saying is that I'm in a state of miserable bitterness. All she says is, God is against me, and if God is against you, who can be for you? All things are working to good for evil. All things are working for evil to me. And so when, when Ruth, she's going out to the field, she turns and looks at Naomi, she says, she's a wreck. She's a train wreck. And then Ruth turns and she looks in front of her. When she looks in front of her, she sees a world of Jewish people that she's about to enter into. And what does Ruth see there? She sees a world of Jewish people who despise and reject and hate her because she's a Moabite. I mean, Ruth knew that when she walked into this world of Jewish people alone as a Moabite, that people were not going to come out and greet her and say, oh, good morning, I see that you're a stranger here. Welcome, friend. Can I help you? Please let me help you. No way. No way. It was more like when she appeared on the street, people began to talk to each other and point at her. And then the looks, if not their words, would say, why don't you just go back to Moab where you belong? I mean, how long are you going to stay here? You're not welcome here. Go home. You know, in the 70s, one of my best friends was black. And one time we were sitting together and he told me, he said, Tom, you just don't know what it's like to be black. You know, you don't know what it's like people do a double look on you and stare at you and make you feel so unwelcome out of place just because you color your skin. And where did all this leave Ruth? Ruth's only friend in Israel is Naomi. And she's sitting in a pool of depression. She's constantly talking about her miserable bitterness and everyone else on the outside staring at her and wishing, Ruth, you'd just go back to Moab. And at that moment, Ruth would naturally ask herself the question, why am I here? I mean, I don't need this. Why am I not back in Moab? And what would Ruth say to herself when she asked herself that question? How do I find myself in this terrible state right now? I mean, just to, just to kind of keep my own sanity, Ruth would say to herself, let me just go over again why I'm here in this terrible state. I mean, for, in order for us to understand what Ruth would say to herself as to why she was there, all we have to do is just look back at what we read, this steadfast position in chapter 1, when Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee, whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people, my people. Thy God, my God. Where thou diest, I will die. And where you're buried, I'll be buried there. See, what we see in what Ruth said was an intense love for Naomi. It's all about the I, you. I will not leave you. I will not return from following you. I will live where you live. Your people will be my people. I will die where you die. I'll be buried where you be buried. See, it's all about the I love you. See, and all these statements, they just, this is clear message that Naomi is hearing. And Ruth is saying to Naomi, I love you. I saw that I could be with you. I saw that I could help you. I know that I did not have to be with you. You've made that abundantly clear to me that I don't have to be here and help you. And I fully understand, I chose to be with you and help you out of your miserable bitterness. 
I have chosen to be with you and I will be with you no matter what it costs me. I love you. Therefore, I will pay the personal price no matter what it costs me personally to be with you and help you. I've made this choice because I love you. See, that's the words of Ruth to Naomi. And therefore, if you're Ruth at that hard moment with Naomi in a corner and she's sitting there, miserable bitterness, God is not for me, God is against me, and you're looking, and that's behind you, and you're looking in front of you, people who despise you, when you as Ruth said to yourself, why do I find myself here in this hard situation? Why am I here? Then you would say, I am here because I chose to love Naomi. I am here because I chose to help Naomi. I am here because Naomi needs me, and I chose not to forsake her in her time of need. I could have. Oh, it would have been so easy, but I chose not to. I don't want to be here, Ruth would say. I don't want to be here with no food and as a woman alone going into a field of people who hate me and despise me and reject me. But because of my choice to help Naomi, I have to be here. And even no matter what it may cost for me, a woman to go out there in the field alone with people who hate and despise me, as I find myself here, I say, I don't want to be here, but I chose to be here now. And for me, it's not a question now of doing what serves my needs. It's not a question of doing what serves my desires or watching out for my own personal comfort and protection. This is a question of me serving the needs of Naomi and of me bringing comfort and protection to Naomi. And there's a lot of other places that I'd like to be right now. I don't want to be in this state, but I chose to be in this state so I could help Naomi. See, this is not the future that I planned for my life. I had better hopes than this for my life. But I love Naomi. And because of my love for Naomi, I find myself in this state. And so now, as Ruth is just about to leave, she has a decision to make. And she's at a crossroads. And she has to make a decision. Which kind of Ruth are we going to have? Is she going to be the Ruth when she goes out in the field? I mean, one choice is that Ruth, as she's leaving that place, she could say, you know, the Ruth is going to go out there. It's going to be Ruth the Great. It's going to be Ruth the can-do lady. It's going to be Ruth who will defy what stands in her way. It's going to be Ruth who's, who makes sure that no one and no thing stands in her way because she'll knock them down. Get out of my way. See, that would be make Ruth the self-confident one. See, that would make Ruth Ruth the self-assured one. That would make Ruth the Ruth who holds her head up high with a stiff upper lip. Ruth the fighter. Ruth, the everyone better get out of Ruth's way and, and just sit back and watch her go. That road, road there would have made Ruth proud. But that road, that road is not the one she chose. She didn't choose the proud Ruth road because Ruth said in verse two, we read, Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. See, instead of Ruth choosing the road uh, marked the proud Ruth, she chose the road marked the humble Ruth. A humble, humble comes from the Latin word humus, which means dirt. So humble means to be down on the ground, bowed down. So she chose this humble Ruth. Instead, she chose to make herself humble and freeze that picture in your mind of Ruth's personal commitment 
uh, of love to Naomi and Ruth's personal decision to be humble. And see in that picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now turn, if you would, to Philippians 2, 6 through 9. Philippians 2, 6 through 9. This is in our minds now. We see Ruth. We see her personal love to Naomi and all that has cost her and her commitment. And we see her choice to be humble. And now with that in mind, we read Philippians 2, 6 through 9 about the Lord Jesus Christ. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. See, this verse tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ, he found himself in fashion as a man. Found in fashion as a man. And now in verse 7, this starts a list of great changes that happened to the Lord Jesus Christ. These are dramatic changes. Big changes happened to him as he went from the Lord Jesus Christ, God, at home in heaven, to being Jesus of Nazareth, a stranger, despised, rejected man of sorrows in the land of Israel. And Ruth helps us to understand these changes as we think of the changes that happened to Ruth, where she went from being Ruth in her own country of Moab to being Ruth, the stranger, despised and rejected, a woman of sorrows in the land of Israel. And the first change the Lord Jesus Christ is described as is that he says he made himself of no reputation. The Lord Jesus Christ is God. God has a great reputation. Great reputation. He's got a reputation of being the creator, having all power, having all dominion. But in verse 7, we learn that the Lord Jesus, he gave all that reputation up. He gave up the reputation that God has. What does it mean? He made himself of no reputation. The Greek word for made himself is the word kenoo. Kenoo. Kenoo means to empty out. So this means he emptied himself out of all his reputation as God. See, the similar word as kenoo in Hebrew is the word ara. And the graphic illustration that we have of the Hebrew word ara is seen when we look at Rebekah at the well with the camels in Genesis 24, where it says, and she hasted, Rebekah, and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again into the well to draw water and drew it for the camels. See, Rebekah emptied her pitcher into the trough. And that's the Hebrew word, ara. She emptied her trough. She arad her pitcher into the trough. That was a lot of work for Rebecca to water those camels. Camels drink a lot. She worked hard. And we know that Rebecca made sure that she, there's no way she's going to haul water back and forth. So when she gets to that trough, every drop of water is coming out of that pitcher. She emptied every drop out of that heavy pitcher into the trough. That picture of Rebecca emptying, emptying every last drop of water into the trough, it shows the meaning of the word ara. She arad every last drop of water into the trough. That's the same word, ara, that's used to describe the Lord Jesus Christ when he died on the cross for our sins in Isaiah 53, 12, where it says, he hath poured out his soul unto death. He arad 
his soul unto death. He poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bare the sin of many. He made intercession for the transgressors. He poured out, arah, his soul unto death. In order to save us from our sins, he poured out every last drop, his soul unto death. Now, just as Ruth looked at her state, and she said, you know, when I look back, Ruth would sit there and say, when I look back at what happened to me, I see that I now find myself as despised, rejected, hated Moabite in Israel, a woman of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And the Lord Jesus Christ looked at his state in Philippians 2.8, and he says he found himself as a man, not just a man, but a man who was rejected, a man who was a man of sorrows, and he was acquainted with grief. As it says in Isaiah 53.3, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we take special notice in Philippians 2 of these words, he made himself, he did that. He made himself of no reputation, which means he decided to empty himself of his reputation. He decided to empty himself of all his reputation of God. And then we look at in Isaiah 53, 12, it doesn't say that his soul was poured out. It doesn't say that. It says he hath poured out his soul unto death which shows, again, the voluntary part of it is that when you reach today, right now, when you go ahead and you reach for the bread and the juice, the blood of the grapes, this morning, say to the Lord, as I take this bread and juice, I worship you for the words made himself and poured out. Because those words tell me that you decided to empty yourself of your reputation as God. And you decided to pour out your soul unto death for my sins. And he emptied himself of his reputation and he held back none of his reputation so that he could die as a despised man for our sins. So that that was the first great change that happened to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and just as we read in Isaiah 53, 12, the voluntary part of it, he had poured out his soul unto death in the same way he made himself of no reputation at Philippians 2.7. He has no more reputation as God. So we can see as, as we read in verse 7, what reputation he does take on in his place is the reputation of a servant. And just as Ruth found herself, she's despised and rejected Moabite and asked herself the question why she's there. And the Lord Jesus Christ finds himself in fashion as a man, a despised man, a rejected man. And he asks himself the, the same question, why am I here? And the Lord Jesus Christ would answer that question to each one of us in the same words that Ruth said in Ruth 1, 16-17. He would say, I will not leave you. Or don't ask me to leave you. Don't ask me to return from following you. See, to be our faithful high priest who's touched with the feeling of our infirmities, he says, whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. To the Jewish people, he says, thy people shall be my people. And why does he do that? Why does he do that? For the same reason that Ruth did. I love you, he says. I saw that I could be with you, that I could help you. I saw that I didn't have to. I didn't have to be with you. I didn't have to help you, but I chose I fully chose to be with you, and I fully chose to die for your sins, to help you out of your miserable bitterness. See, we're Naomi. 
And he says, no matter what it costs me, no matter it costs me separation from God, I love you. And therefore, I'll pay the personal price, no matter what it costs me personally, to save you from the miserable bitterness of dying in your sins and going to hell. I've made this choice because I love you. And when we ask the Lord Jesus Christ, why did you empty yourself of your reputation? Why did you pour out your soul unto death? He'd say the same words. I'm here because I chose to be to love you. Just like Ruth chose to love Naomi. I'm here because I chose to help you. Just like Ruth chose to help Naomi. I'm here because you need me to die for your sins. Just like Naomi needed Ruth. And I chose not to forsake you in your time of need. Just like Ruth chose not to forsake Naomi in her time of need. I don't want to be here, the Lord Jesus Christ would say. I do not want to be here. Father, if it be possible... Let this pass from me. Father, if it be possible, let me out of here. Now, I don't want to be here as a despised, rejected man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But because of my choice to save you, I have to be here, even though it will cost me to die and be separated from God. And just like Ruth did not want to be there with no food, a woman alone, going into a field of, of, of people who despise and reject her, but because of her choice to help Naomi, she had to be there, even if it cost well, whatever it would cost for her as a woman alone going out in the field to men who, and to despise and reject her. As I find myself here, I say that I don't want to be here now, he would, the Lord Jesus would say, but I chose to be here now to save you from your sins, just like Ruth. And for me, it's not a question of me doing what serves my needs and desires or watching out for my own personal comfort and protection. This is a question of me bringing you comfort of me bringing you protection to be saved through a perfect sacrifice that you need. And just like it was a question of Ruth serving Naomi's needs for comfort and for protection. You'd say, there's a lot of other places I'd like to be right now. I don't want to be in this state, but I chose to be in this state so I could help you by saving you from your sins. Just like Ruth. Just like Ruth helping Naomi. And he'd say, it's not the future I planned for myself. I had better hopes than this. Believe me but I love you. And because of my love for you, I find myself in this state and fashion as a man, just like Ruth did for Naomi. And just like Ruth, when the Lord Jesus Christ found himself in that terrible situation of being as found as a fashion as a man, a despised and rejected man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, he made the same decision that Ruth did to humble himself and do what was necessary to help us, which for him meant the words, and being found in Philippians 2.8, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So this morning, as we take this bread and this juice, let's worship him for making the hard choices that were all encompassed in two words, emptied and humbled, emptied and humbled. He emptied himself of all his reputation and he poured out his soul unto death, he humbled himself to become obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Let's pray. Lord, help us now as we take this bread and juice, Lord, to enter into a state of thanksgiving to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.